Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message. Are you guys ready for the word this morning? I'll tell you what, our last couple of, of weeks when we started this Sermon on the Mount series and the Beatitudes has been off the chain. How many have, got, how many have really been ministered the last couple of weeks for the teaching of the Beatitudes. It, it's going to continue. Layer by layer, God is going to release truth in you, and truth is going to set you free. Not just an encounter. I want to say that real, real, very carefully. An encounter is going to do good things, but it's not going to sustain you in freedom. Truth will sustain you in freedom. Amen? And so uh, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 5. We've been doing this for the last couple of weeks. And I want to take my time with this because I don't want to rush. Today we're going to look at the third beatitude, and we're going to go in detail with it. But I want you to go uh, in Matthew chapter 5. Now, we've been opening up with this scripture the last two weeks. So those of you who are new, uh, I'm just giving you a review. The Sermon on the Mount is the longest-lasting sermon that Jesus did in all of the Bible, all the New Testament. Three straight chapters, he does not get interrupted, and, and, the, and the writer records a full sermon. You hear PG sermon every week. Imagine hearing Jesus preach. That, th- this is what the Sermon on the Mount is. Je- Jesus went on the mountain, and he began to preach. And in the Sermon on the Mount, that's why it's called the Sermon, is his sermon, is, is God's sermon. Glory to God. And so he's, he's speaking this, and he, there's key fundamental things that happen in the Sermon on the Mount, like the Lord's Prayer, like a lot of uh, things that are character building and really setting us up for character and freedom. Can I hear an amen? Those of you who are new, Beatitudes are progressive. They build on each other, and they are conditional. In other words, everyone in this room does not automatically benefit from the Beatitudes, Unless you posture your heart to receive and walk in that reality. When you walk in that reality, it will then be blessed to your life. Because Jesus said eight blessings. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. If everyone was poor in spirit, there was no need for Jesus to say, blessed are those. Can I hear an amen? That means that we have to posture ourselves with a revelation that we're bankrupt without any, any godliness in us other than the goodness of God, which produces dependence on God. Last week, we realized that... that that the Bible, when it says, blessed are they that mourn, they shall be comforted, is not just talking about being comforted only when someone dies. Yes, God will bring comfort, but Jesus didn't say those who die will be comforted in your family. He said, blessed are they that mourn. Now, we, we, we reviewed last week that even the atheists mourn, even the Satanists mourn for their loved ones, but just because they mourn doesn't mean that we're blessed. Do you get comforted? Yes. We realized last week we talked about a spiritual mourning from our spiritual condition that, re- that produces repentance. Can I hear an amen? Now, this is awesome. Now, the, the second, the, the third beatitude comes right after mourning. And I want you to see, it almost feels like God kind of bumped his head when you're looking at the progression of the beatitudes. Poor in spirit is the revelation of your condition. Mourning is a response of that condition. But look at the third beatitude. Let's look at it again. And seeing the the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when Jesus was seated, his disciples came to him, and then he opened his mouth and taught. I like to say he just started his sermon there. All right? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. This is the one that I want to uh, harp on right now. 
Blessed are the meek. Look at this. For they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek. For they, the meek, the meek, those who are meek, those who position their heart and life to be meek, that doesn't come automatically, they shall have, they shall inherit the earth. Now, why do I say that? Because this third beatitude comes right after a mourning over our spiritual condition. It is then the reflection or the equation of what happens after we mourn and repent over our sins and over our distance with God. Come on, say amen. I've never seen anybody truly repent and truly uh, uh, cry about the distance that they have between them and God and come out prideful. Right after the repentance, if you see someone's face, if they truly repent, they're not like, Lord, forgive me. That's right, God, you better forgive me. They don't do that. Right after they ask for forgiveness or after they mourn for their their. Uh, their separation from God, like we said last week when David said, Lord, do not take your Holy Spirit away from me. You can take my kingdom because I said, but don't take your Holy Spirit away from me because I hurt your heart. I've never seen someone come out of that confession saying, that's what's up now. And be all prideful. The result of repentance is meekness. The result of true repentance, your character is going to soften to meekness. Now, why do I say that? Because we have left this attribute, many in the church have misconstrued this attribute as being a soft attribute or a weak attribute. And I'm here to tell you, meekness is not weakness. There's a difference between a weak man and a meek man. Jesus was a meek person, but he wasn't a, a weak person. And so you have to understand that meekness is not this attribute that lets everyone just kind of uh, beat you down and, and that you are this, this sissy for the Lord. Sorry for, for saying that that way. What meekness is, is actually one of the most powerful attributes that you and I could have that shows how strong you are in your character. Are you ready for this? Look at the first slide. The, the proper definition of meekness is controlled strength. Now say controlled strength. No one's saying amen to me, Pastor Donnie. It's okay. They will soon. It is what I call restraint mingled with kindness. Okay, so the person who really has the control in a conversation is the person who is not blowing up all the time when things are happening. When you blow up all the time with negative things and trials that are happening, you're giving the situation and other people control. But when other things happen and people speak bad about you and things don't go your way and you hold it together and still stay Christ-like, that's the working of meekness inside of you. It's controlled strength that has to do with how you tame your tongue when everything else wants you to lash out in negative emotions. Unfortunately, we got a lot of lack of meekness in the church. I'm talking about just because someone took your parking lot, just because you're, or, or talking someone took your seat. We got people rising up with attitudes. Christians rising up with attitudes because someone took your parking spot. Meekness is something that needs to be developed in time. And as we develop it in time, the character of God will be shown so beautifully. Listen, weakness is this. Weakness has to do with negative circumstances. Like, 
negative, uh, uh, low, low uh, gift levels or low abilities or talents or uh, some weaknesses in your strength or in your health. That's what weakness has to do. But meekness has to do with choice. Do you see what I just said? Meekness has to do with your choice. Meekness is the muscle that says internally, everything inside of you wants to say, give, give that person a piece of your mind. And meekness says, don't let it come out your mouth. That's what meekness is. Meekness is the ability to show restraint when everything about you wants to blow up. Come on, I'm getting one, one amen. <laughs> Maybe we have a bunch of Christians that are saying, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. <laughs> I repent because I've done that many times. I've seen people that they tell me horrific stories of what happened in their school and their jobs. And, and I'm like, did you tell them something? Did they tell them? No, I'm just leaving it up to the Lord. I'm like, you're a better person than me. Now, I'm not saying that to, to diss meekness. I'm telling you where I was at several years ago. I would have been like, you know what? I'm going to knock on that person's door, and I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. I'm not gonna, of course, I'm not going to say nothing wrong, but I'm going to just say that is wrong. But, you know, there's something about meekness that lets the Lord fight your battles. There's something about meekness that it doesn't seem that you're dumb to the other person. Oh, that they're just a whip. Although they're just they're not fighting back. No, you're actually really in control. They're the ones who's going crazy. And you have control over your emotions, not anybody else. Don't let me get down from the stage. When somebody says, he made me do it. He just made me get angry. You just gave them control over your life. Come on, I see, I see, I see people going like this right now. Well, you don't understand. The reason why I'm this way is because she just gets on my nerves. So that means she has control over your emotions. No one has control over your emotions other than you. If your meekness level is low, then you have that excuse that every situation and every person that does you wrong, you are, are reactionary instead of proactionary. Can I hear an amen? So, so, so meekness has its roots in the fruit of the Spirit. It's all about character. The fruit of the Spirit that nobody likes is the very last fruit of the Spirit. It's called self-control. See, somebody look at me like you want to shoot me now. It's like, I hate that. I want to eat my ice cream and I want to anger. I want to. Self control has to do with restraining your lips in the midst of injustice. Does it mean that the injustice was deserved? No, but it means your response still has to be biblical, not spiritual. Uh, hello? There's a lot of Christians that respond spiritually, but just because you respond spiritually, that does not mean you're responding biblically. I'm going to go over here because no one's listening to me on this side. A lot of, well, well, you know what? The Lord, the Lord is making me expose them. Oh, that's really spiritual. But if you really want to be biblical, you'll be like Jesus. You know what Jesus did? Jesus, the Bible says, was led as a lamb to the slaughter and opened not his mouth. If anybody could have blinked his eye and showed his strength and showed his power in the midst of injustice was Jesus. And Jesus, because he walked in meekness, chose to let those things happen because there was a greater plan in the midst of everything. Look at Isaiah chapter 53. Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit. Are you guys, are you guys awake this morning? Now, look, we need meekness. Let, let the work of meekness fill you because meekness will... Go against your pride. Meekness will come against the grain of you wanting to make sure you have the last word. Hello? 
Hello? Is, is RCC awake this morning? Meekness is the ability, watch this, to not respond with negative emotions when you hear or experience something that you don't agree with or that causes you pain. Ooh, let that sink in for a second. Oh, I could tell the Holy Spirit's going. Let this sink in. Meekness is the ability to not respond with negative emotions when you hear or experience something that you don't agree with or that causes you pain. Let me tell you, Mary folks, we need meekness. Because when you don't agree with something and you start speaking a piece of your mind, when that thing gets out of your mouth, even though you didn't mean it, at that moment it could cause damage. The ability, you know that the Bible says that the, the, the greatest weapon in our body is our tongue? Do you know that even doctors, doctors, without being spiritual, say the strongest muscle in your whole body is the tongue. It's not, it's not even the, what is this called? The, the, thanks. You can tell, you can tell I work out. I miss leg day all the time. <laughs> the quadricep, I used to think when they asked me that years ago, that is the strongest muscle. But according to the dictionary, the strongest muscle is the tongue. It's a little, the Bible in James says, it's a little member, but look how much fire the tongue causes. Gossip, slander, accusations, cursing, anger, all from the tongue. But meekness shuts that and buffets it down. It tames the tongue. Meekness does. Look at what Isaiah 53 says. Look, put it up there. Isaiah chapter 53. Oh, this is good. How many, how many know that we need meekness? This is, why, this is why Jesus starts with, blessed are you that are meek, because he knew that people have a propensity to not be meek and say things out of their mouth that once they say it, it may take years for you to be healed from that. When we were little kids, we used to, we used to believe a lie, and we didn't even know it was a lie. What was that lie? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me. That is a lie. I'd rather get hit by a stick and stone and get healed two weeks later, but words take lifetimes to heal sometimes. You're fat. You're ugly. We should have boy. You should have been like your brother. Why didn't you wear like this? Oh, look at this little fatty guy. Especially Latinos. Don't even get started with Latinos. We have this culture. Mira, bobita. Mira, idiota. Mira, mira, mira. Goldita. Some of you Americans, don't worry. Just turn to your neighbor and, and they'll explain. Karen, you'll know. What I'm saying is, we do that, and we think it's a joke, but we become self-fulfilling prophecies of words that's been spoken over our life. Look at Jacob. He was called deceiver, and he started deceiving people. Jacob means deceiver. So look at this. He who has believed our report. Now, Isaiah was prophesying over the, over the coming Messiah. Had not even started yet. Look at this. Who will believe our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he, the Lord, shall grow up. Again, this is the prophet Isaiah, the Old Testament, prophesying about Jesus. All right? He shall grow up before the Lord. No, wait a minute. Is, am I, are you in the right place? No. Go, go verse 6. Verse 6. Okay, look at this. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid upon him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. Follow along with me. Now watch this. Look at the next verse. He was oppressed. 
Jesus, and he was afflicted. Watch this. Yet he opened not his mouth. How many people are oppressed and afflicted and do that? (laughs) He was led, Jesus, son of God, son of God. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shear is silent. So he opened not his mouth. Do you know that that's the one who has true power? That's why meekness is controlled strength. The one who is meek actually has the greater strength. Jesus withheld himself when he could have stopped someone's heartbeat because of the injustice that was being put upon him. Do you remember when they arrested him in the Garden of Gethsemane? And good old Peter, I love my boy Peter. He, I mean, if, if, I, I would have loved Peter on my team because he was straight gangster. I mean, he goes, what? He put out the sword and cut the dude's ear off. I mean, he didn't play. I mean, he didn't even punch him in the face. He goes, what? Don't you touch Jesus. And the ear fell off. But you know what Jesus did? And most of you are like, that's right. He better do, you, you're teaching a lesson to talk to me like that. Jesus picked up the ear, put it back, and healed him. And he goes, put your sword away. Don't you know that I can now, this is meekness, this is power. Are you ready? I can now call six legions of, of angels. 12 legions of angels to to be able to come and save me. He had all the power but chose not to use it for fulfilling a purpose of humanity. The reason why this is important is because we we, we ruin relationships. And we ruin our heart and our emotions and our mind when we allow pain to dictate what we say. When we allow trials to dictate how we respond. And sometimes people have said, why are you silent, PG? There's injustice. Why are you th-? And, and I've learned throughout the years that the Lord says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. My job is to forgive. My job, our job, is to walk in meekness. Not to let people walk over you, but your job is to respond in meekness because then you have dominion. You say, how do you know how dominion? You inherit the earth. That's dominion. Blessed are the meek, they shall inherit the earth. That doesn't mean you're going to actually buy the earth. That means spiritually God trusts you with dominion and power when you walk in meekness. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. We need to respond biblically, not spiritually. It's what you do when someone talks bad about you, when you have the, 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 the right to remain silent because, I mean, sorry, you have the right to speak, but choose to remain silent. Here's what I call, I call meekness a muscle, a spiritual muscle, all right? So what is the meekness muscle? The meekness muscle is something that you have to build. If anybody knows anything about building muscle, it doesn't happen overnight. You have to build in time. Can I hear an amen? So the meekness muscle, let me just give you a couple of scriptures out there. And it's not in my notes, but uh, James chapter 1, all right? James chapter 1 says something really powerful. You can write notes, all right? The Bible says, the the book of James, the, the, the brother James says, Hey, brethren, finally I tell you, watch this, be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. That is not like a lot of Christians that I see. It's the opposite. We are swift to speak and slow to hear. Once we, once we hear something, we're like, whoa, and we start releasing poison, and sometimes, buckle your seatbelt, If we're not careful and we don't develop meekness in our life, what happens is you'll become, you'll start to gossip and not even know it all in the name of venting to someone. 
So you become, you start venting to someone. I can't stand Pastor George when he does that. And I can't stand Pastor Donnie. Who do he think he is? They all think they tell me to come up. They tell, I don't need to come up. And what starts to happen is that we as Christians no longer have that meekness in our life and we start really realizing that we could destroy things. He says, be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. It is a character development that shows you that you are Christ-like and that Christ is in control of your emotions, not your temper. I'm not getting a lot of amens this morning. How about another one? Proverbs 15, verse 1. You don't have to turn there. A soft answer turns away wrath what that means you have the ability to quench anger in somebody else's heart by your response oh my gosh do you hear what i just said you and i when we walk in meekness and christ-like character have the power and the ability with a christ-like response to actually quench anger now it may not happen all the time like you want it but the Bible says a soft answer uh, turns away wrath. I remember years ago when there was an argument with, with somebody, and, and they, they came in, and, they, and they were all shouting with each other. And I remember uh, they came come to me, and, and instead of me saying, who do you think you're talking to? I'm like, yeah, you're right. You're right. Right, that's fine. That's fine. Maybe, maybe you're right. I'm, I'm sorry. It had nothing to do with me. I remember that guy when he came. He went like this and started, started yelling, and he kind of like backed down when he saw that I wasn't giving in to his anger. When you're in control of meekness, you're in control of the situation. When you walk in meekness, you can be able to defuse. Because sometimes, not all the time, sometimes people are looking for a fight. They're looking for a response. They're looking for you to be agitated so they can feed their anger. How do you fight fire? Do you say, hey, Donnie, Quick, give me, there's a fire over there. Give me a torch. Let me throw it at that. Somebody has to be water. And meekness is water. Can I, but can I be honest with you? Water is more powerful than fire. Because fire doesn't douse water. Water douses fire. But yet it's soft, but it's not weak. Can I hear an Amen. And so meekness is the ability to restrain our tongue when all hell breaks loose and all the negative emotions wants to pop out of us. Now, the person who is strong in meekness does not let situations in their lives dictate their joy or your peace. You need to hear that this morning. A person that walks in meekness does not be, is not swayed by every wind of trial. And so now you no longer have joy because of financial ruin or, or people left you. A person that walks in meekness knows not how, to, I mean, knows not to let negative circumstances steal their joy and their peace. Come on, amen. So, so watch. When I, I wrote something down, um, Actually, let me, let me go back because it's something that I, that I forgot to say. I want to say it. The Greek word for, uh, for meekness is praus, P-R-A-U-S. And it's described to describe a couple things. Now watch. So it's used to describe uh, a medicine. It's used to describe a breeze. And it's used to describe a, uh, a tamed donkey. Now, all those three are examples of great power kept under control. Medicine is powerful, but it's kept uncontrolled in control by dosage. 
Breeze is a wind that's powerful, but it's kept under control by the sails. Donkeys are wild by nature, but it's kept under control by a harness in its mouth. When describing meekness, that's the Greek word for meekness, is the potential to still be powerful, but in control. If you put fire in, in, the, in a forest, it will spread like crazy and it'll do damage. But if you harness that fire, it could create warmth and heat and it could bring, bring you food to cook. But fire left wild, it will destroy. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you see what I'm saying? So, so I, I, now I want you to write this down. It's not going to be in your notes, okay? Now this is going to be a little, this is going to be an ouch moment, but it's going to be a good ouch moment. <laughs> Watch this. When do you and I need meekness the most, right? And I know you could probably talk back at me. But when do you and I need meekness the most, all right? I want you to write this down. And I don't have all the answers. I'm just giving you a couple. You and I need meekness the most. Watch this. And I trust me, I've needed this in this time. In a time when someone is slandering you. Did you hear what I said? In a time when someone is slandering you or making false accusations about you, that is a time when we need meekness the most. Or to some of you, you're starting off on the bottom because you need meekness because someone cut you off on I-4. <laughs> someone cut you off I-4 and you're like, bleep, 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 bleep. And you have a bumper sticker that says, Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. <laughs> Giving him a piece of your mind, they cut you off on I-4. Uh, when someone's being slandered, when someone's being talked about, but here's what I really want to land this morning. We need meekness the most, ready, in the time when you're being corrected. <laughs> Especially by an authority figure over your life, whether it's a leader, whether it's a pastor, whether it's a, a friend, or whether it's something that there's legitimately things that need attention to. How you respond to correction tells a person a lot about you. See, it got quiet up in RCC. You need meekness when you are being corrected because sometimes that correction is needed. As a matter of fact, in Hebrews chapter 12, the Bible says, if God doesn't correct you, then we are illegitimate sons and daughters and we're not real sons and daughters. The Bible says, whom he loves, he corrects. Now, we don't correct just for the sake of correcting. There's some people that do that, and that's bad. But even, even still, we have the right to respond. How you respond to correction will cause you, now here's the next thing that I want you to, to, because unfortunately, Christians are sometimes so bad in this area. Hear me, hear me. How you respond to correction and how you respond to certain things that are given to you can open up the doors to offense in your life. There's so many Christians that walk around offended all the time. There's so many Christians that walk around with a spirit of offense because someone talked them in the wrong way. Someone didn't give them something that they wanted. Someone didn't, didn't, didn't look at them wrong. I, literally, I'm not joking. There's people that have been offended at me because I forgot to shake their hand. You may think that I'm crazy, but it's true. In the past, because I've been busy, I, sh I hugged somebody and I forgot somebody else's, and they got offended at me. Pastor George, see, he doesn't love me because he said he, he hugged somebody else and didn't hug me. That's baby. Let's grow up. No, no, no. Let's grow up for real, for real. Why do I say this? It's because you and I need to know how we respond to correction will determine our meekness level. 
You know there's three types of offense? There's three types of offense that I, I, I think that I've l- learned in life. Number one, there's a type of offense that happens when someone really causes injustice in your life. There's real offense, all right? Number two, there's things that you think you're offended, but it's a matter of you not understanding submission, right? So you may think, oh, I'm just offended. Well, maybe God is trying to teach you to submit. <laughs> it's okay. I'm, I'm preaching to myself today. It's all right. And number three, the third type of offense is when truth is spoken. If you look at Jesus, they gnashed their teeth, and Jesus spoke truth all the time. They're like, oh, how dare him say that about me. He was just exposing their hearts. So why do I say that? Look at that slide. The ability to live without the tendency of being offended is a direct result of the working of meekness in your life. Someone say hallelujah. Write that down. Take a picture, Snapchat it, Facebook it, whatever you want to do. The ability to live without the tendency of being offended is a direct result of the working of meekness. Do you know what that I didn't put on the slide, but it's also true? When you walk in meekness, you will not expect a lot of things from people. And listen, the number one cause of offense for married couples and relationships, watch this, watch this, and even church relation people between pastor or between leader or between church members is unspoken expectations. In other words, the church is supposed to be there. The, the pastor needs to call everybody. He needs to know all the people's name, And we never agreed upon that. Like, we never had a conversation about that. Well, you know, I used to say this all the time, and I say it again because a lot of new people. The, you know, church and church leadership is wrong if they do and wrong if they don't. I mean, if we, if we call you because you haven't been here in a month, well, why are you judging me? I'm not backsliding. I'm just taking a break. I'm just going somewhere. But, but, it, but, but if we don't, see, the church doesn't love me. They don't call me. They don't. We can't win. If we call you, you're judging me. If we don't call you, they don't love me. Come on, man. Come on. It's time to grow up. Meekness will cause you not to have any expectations. In a married couple, one of the things that causes great fight and discord is because there's unspoken expectations. And so the the husband gives the the, the girl flowers, and and the girl never, the wife never told the husband that she don't like flowers. So it's like, hey, baby, I love you. And she's like, you know, have that fake smile. And inside it's like, he should know that I don't like flowers. How does he know? He, he should know my facial reaction. He should know that I don't like I told him five years ago. Give a brother a break. Maybe he forgot. <laughs> Someone's like twitching their eyes. Come on. Come on, Pastor. <laughs> Someone's getting delivered right now. <laughs> You want to you want, you wanna have no expectations? Walk in meekness. And then everything that everybody does will be just icing on the cake. Because then you won't have this, oh, 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 this entitlement mentality. This entitlement mentality that, that, that causes you to be offended at everything. This person didn't call me. This person didn't say hello to me. This person got mad at me. This person didn't say hello. This person didn't pray for me. This person... We need to be able to grow up ourselves in our walk with God and allow meekness to have his perfect work in us. Can I hear an amen? 
So how are you responding in times of correction will determine who, what your strength is. I need the worship team to come up here, please. I need the worship team to come up. There's a couple of, there's a couple of scriptures that I want to give you. And, and then I want to I share. I want to pray. We're doing good on time today. Glory to God. How do you measure your, your meekness level? Look at me for a second. I'm going to teach you something. How do you and I measure how much meekness do we have? Think, of, think about what I'm saying right now. How do you and I measure? Do we just go like this and open up our heart and say, oh, I have a half a tank of meekness. I'm still pretty good. How do we do that? Or, oh, I'm full of meekness. I'm good. I don't have to fill it up. Oh, I'm empty. No. How do you and I measure? Are you ready? I want you to write this down. But look at this. We measure how much, oh, I'm going to shout, how much meekness we have by how we respond to adversity and pressure. Man, I'm preaching good, and I'm, 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 saying, I'm looking at you. I don't know if you're mad at me. You need meekness if you're mad at me. We, we, listen, we measure how much meekness we have by how we respond to adversity and pressure. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Now, before, watch this. Look at, look at Proverbs 24, verse 10. Proverbs 24, verse 10. This is powerful, okay? And then we're going to go to another word in Proverbs. I don't know why I split screen there, but praise the Lord. People have a chance to see both of them. Well, there you go. Now watch this. Look at this. Look at this. If you faint in the day of adversity or pressure, your strength is small. Now, what did we say meekness was? Controlled what? Controlled what? If you faint or you falter in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Now, look at the NLT version. Put the NLT version up there. If you fail under pressure, your strength is too small. Look at this. Now, look at Proverbs chapter 16. I'm going to show you another thing in Proverbs. Look at Proverbs 16 because... Meekness is about keeping your emotions in check, but I want you to see the Bible causes those truly who are strong in Proverbs 16. Look at what it says here. Proverbs 16, verse 32. Look at this. This is powerful. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. Watch this. Watch this. And he who rules his spirit is greater than he who takes a city. What? What? Did you hear what I just said? I said that the Bible says he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit is greater than he who takes a city. What does that mean? That means you and I in this room, watch what God is saying. All of us in this room, let's say a little over 100 people in this room, if we overtake the city of Apopka, that is pretty, that's pretty strong. The Bible says the person who rules his spirit is stronger than the one who takes a whole city. The Bible says that true strength is one who rules his spirit, not let his spirit or emotions rule him. Think about this. This will cause a lot of healing in your marriage. Because if we blow up over everything, that's how marriages are destroyed. 
Can I hear an amen? Listen, listen to this. What, what God is saying here is that if you don't know how to control your tongue, your strength is small. But if you're able to rule your spirit, you're greater than anyone who takes a city. That is, to me, that is amazing. It's amazing to think that the Spirit of the Lord is causing us to realize that this is something we need to grow in. Now watch this. I'm almost done. <laughs> Something's happening there. We need, a, we need something back there, guys. I'm not sure what's going on there. Jesus demonstrated meekness, not only in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know what Jesus demonstrated it at? Jesus demonstrated himself meekness in every area that he walked in. I love to give a little examples. How about the time when Jesus uh, not only did that with the, the thing with the ear, but how about when he says this? He says, I, the Son of Man, have the power to lay down my life. I choose to lay down my life. He goes, no one takes it from me. No one takes my, my, the power of my life away from me. Can I hear an amen? God wants us to walk in meekness, not that we can show our spirituality, so that we could grow spiritually and that we will walk with an unoffendable heart. And I'll say this lastly. I really felt while I was studying this that the Lord wanted to harp on meekness when it comes to your relationship with others, but especially to the relationship of people that are close to you. Hear me. This was not in my notes, but I felt when I was praying, meekness is tested the most with people that were close to you or used to be close to you, that have hurt you, that have violated you, that have mistrusted you that have misused you because if someone that you don't have a relationship with says something to you you're not going to take it really to heart most of the time but it's the people that you are closest with that test your meekness the most and hurt you the most how you respond in your marriage to disagreement can destroy your marriage as a matter of fact, this is not preached at all when it comes to marriage seminars, but I believe that the teaching of meekness needs to be instituted when it comes to speaking about marriages. Because a soft answer turns away wrath. And it's powerful. It's not weak. Examine yourself today and think about this. He said, Amen. That's a wake-up call. Do you know who demonstrated meekness? Joseph. Remember Joseph? Joseph came. He got sold by his brothers. Imagine this. Imagine that's you. He got sold by his brothers, got in a pit. The father already gave him favor. That's a whole other preaching lesson to you, but I'm going to throw it in there for free right now. When the favor of God is on you, people used to get a lot of haters. When you start walking in favor, when you start walking in your destiny, people don't start not liking you. Joseph started walking in favor. He had a cloak of many colors. He was 17 years old. All his brothers were like, look, who do, who do you think he is? And Joseph wasn't even saying, look at me. But they saw the, the favor on him. Well, they, they, 
you know the story, most of you, they, they dug a pit, they sold them in there, and they, they, then the, a bunch of people that were slaves, they took them and took them to be a slave, and then you never climb up the ladder. And then when he was living right, watch this, when he was living right and holy, doing the right thing, most people would have stopped right there. Oh, God has abandoned me. God has abandoned me. No, he kept being righteous. And then when he's living holy, the Potiphar's wife had the hots for him. True. And, and, wanted, and wanted to have sexual relationships with him. And he's like, no, I'm a man of God. You're married. We can't do that. See, some people need to rise up. Watch. When he said that and, he, and, he, and he's still following God, now she falsely accuses him of rape because she didn't get what he, she wanted. So guess what? This righteous man went to jail. Right? Went to jail. Went to prison. While he's in prison, his gift is still operating. That could preach right there. Even while you're going through a prison season, even though you are going through trials, your anointing still could operate. And so he started interpreting dreams for all these people in the prison cell, and all of a sudden he got favor in the prison cell. And the dude says, listen, I promise when I get out, I got you. I'm going to say a word to the king. He's going to get you out. The guy forgot about him. Abandonment. Watch this. I did a study. I'm, I'm closing with this. 13 years later since the first prophecy that was given to Joseph when he was 17 years old. 13 years later. He got all this stuff happening to him. Now, finally, 13 years passed. He's now second in command in Egypt. He's second in command now in a foreign pagan country that didn't honor the Lord, but yet that king honored Joseph because he saw the favor of God on him. Pastor George, where do I see meekness? Oh, because what goes around comes around. And his brothers, 13 years later, who thought he was dead. Imagine, you don't even know. You sold him for dead, and in your mind... He's dead. 13 years later, they didn't know that he had risen to prominence. And what happened? They came to Egypt to try to get food because there was famine in the land. And Egypt had abundance because of Joseph. Joseph, God showed him in a dream. Hey, you need to, you need to, you need to uh, store for seven years because there's a famine coming. And so there was a man of God that walked in meekness and wisdom. So God, get this. Now his brothers are coming to Egypt because everyone's dying in Israel. And they have no clue that the guy in charge is the brother that they rejected and they left for dead. How would you respond? Come on, somebody. Don't act spiritual this morning. How would you respond when you have all that anger built up from 13 years that you felt rejected, you got abused, you got mistreated, the promises of God were not happening, you, got, you were standing for righteousness, and then you still got accused? He saw his brothers. And I don't know about you, but I don't think I would have reacted just like Joseph did at that moment. I would have been like, oh, now, now the tables are flipped, aren't I? How does it feel now? How do you like me now? You're on the bottom, I'm on top. It doesn't feel good, does it? Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Yeah, because that's what we do. It doesn't feel good, huh? Now, now you're in the bottom. And I was in the pit for 13 years. How do you feel? You know what? We could say in our heart, you know what? They need to feel that sting. I want them to feel that pain because of all the stuff that they did to me. You know what Joseph did? 
He came, he saw his brothers, and he restrained himself. He restrained himself from lashing out at them. And he was testing them. He was restrained. He goes, go back. I'm going to keep Benjamin here, the youngest one. So they came back, got, got his father, Jacob, the patriarch. came all as a family. Still didn't know what he looked like because 13 years had passed. They didn't, know what, they didn't know what Joseph looked like. When they were all gathered together. Could you imagine this moment when the people, your family members who were supposed to love you and supposed to be there for you, turned their back on you and you went through hell for 13 years and now you're facing it for the first time. They didn't know that it was Joseph. He restrained himself and he finally, listen, he finally said, come here. He started crying and weeping because, watch this, this is my opinion, but do you know why God didn't take Joseph out of jail sooner? Because the, the, my opinion, the inner working of meekness wasn't established and it would have destroyed the plan of God by which the seed of Jesus would come through. So 13 years, God was working on his meekness because it was a purpose. If he would have let Joseph out the first year, he would have gone gangster probably start trying to hunt them and say, you know what? I'm going to kill all these people that did me wrong. 13 years of working of meekness inside of him. And he came and he broke down. He said, come near me. I am Joseph who you sought to kill. I am your brother who you put in a pit. And, the, and his, his brothers, everyone started weeping. They started bowing their knee because they knew, oh my God, they're going to kill us. He goes, no, come. And they hugged and they wept. And here's what, watch this. Here's the working of meekness. Joseph hugging his brothers who accused him and all the memories of rape, accusation, and jail time was right in front of him. You know what he said? You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. You meant to destroy me. But God meant to do something in me that when it was completed, I'm going to save my family. That's what the dream meant, that he was going to save his family. But it was through difficulty. It was through accusations that he had to be tested. My friends, I'm going to say something to you this morning. Has life thrown you an injustice in this year? Has life this year has thrown you a relational conflict where you want, you want to say something to somebody that has done you wrong? Trust me, I have. Donnie knows I confide in him. Many people that I thought would be close to me have stabbed me. Maybe not intentionally, but I felt the stab. It is in those moments how I respond that I believe determines a higher level of trust from the Lord. If I'm going to be trusted with more or not. Do you find yourself being a victim of injustice in your family? How are you responding? How are you responding to something that is meant to destroy you? Meekness has the ability to turn a negative situation into a positive. Today, we want to pray because I feel a healing moment for some reason. That meekness is going to actually say it's okay to stay silent as long as your heart is not offended. But deal with that offense. I want everyone to stand up. Come on. I want everyone to stand up. And I want to lift up your hands right now before the Lord. And I want you to ask an area in your life 
where you have been mistreated or or if you're walking in humility or if, or if you're blaming something on something that maybe God, God has just wanted to teach you submission. Being meek has given up the right to be right. The Lord wants you to know that as there have been circumstances in your marriage, circumstances in your life that causes everything inside of you to lash out, this is an opportunity to respond rightly in your heart so that you won't carry this bitterness and this offense because of this wound. And let me tell you, it could be that it's through this situation and how you respond that will win back that brother. Come on. That will win back that husband. That will win back that wife. That will win back that relationship. Because I'm here to tell you, the blind will lead the blind into a ditch. Blind people can't make other people see. So the truth of the matter is that some people are hurting you because they're hurt. Some people are wounding you and saying stuff to you that's cutting you because they have rejection issues. It's your responsibility, not theirs, to respond in meekness. Come on, lift up your hands right now. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.